Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support and once again, welcome home. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining in on this week's episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. I uh, hope everyone's enjoying the shows. Recently, I've been excited to have some repeat and new guests lately, and um, uh, also been excited to be able to start sharing these on YouTube, and so you guys have a, a little better, uh, a, a fuller experience of what's actually happening in the studio. But if you're just listening, uh, thank you for listening on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think we're on Amazon, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you guys so much for your support. And I once again want to thank everyone who has uh, uh, made the decision to, to support not only this show, but the Katina's ministry in general financially. Um, I couldn't do this if it weren't for people like you. And my dad and his brothers couldn't do what they do if it weren't for you guys. And so thank you so much. Uh, if you do want to become a financial partner, the best way to do that is to go on to katinas.com. You'll find a give button there and that'll take you where you need to go. Um, so today's show is exciting for me. I didn't even know I was going to have this guest until maybe 24 hours ago. Uh, he's he's not a, uh, a Franklin local. He's here from out of town. Um, but I just want to welcome him and thank, thank him for being here, Mr. Jay Lewis. Jay, thanks for being here. My pleasure. I, uh, I I got the text from your son-in-law uh, yesterday, and he said, "Yeah, my my father-in-law's in town, and he's willing to be on the show if if, if you want him." I said, "Yeah, bring him over." And so, um, your time is very valuable because you're here with your grandkids right. and your daughter, and so uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me. Yeah. Um, I wanted to normally when I have first-time guests on the show. Uh, I just give them an opportunity to introduce themselves mm -hmm. to our listeners. So if you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit about yourself. Okay. And also, um, if you could just share what your connection is to the Katina family, okay. that'd be great as well. Yeah. Uh, so my connection to the Katina family is that my daughter married Jesse. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are, uh, I think, 20 years into wow. their marriage. So uh, we were trying to calculate how old you were. When I first came into the family, yeah. and uh, you were pretty young, yeah, and uh, so a lot of changes there with you. <laughs> um, but uh, I've been a pastor for almost forty years. Um, started out in youth ministry, and and kind of graduated into pastorate. And then for the last ten years, I've been dealing with uh, men. I've been a pastor at uh, a rescue mission. And uh, so I've been dealing with men who come out of incarceration oh, wow. and, uh, and drugs and alcohol and, and addiction. So uh, very different um, ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, right before that, I was uh, the uh, chaplain down at the Sedgwick County uh, Jail, which is in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, I think uh, someone told me I had the third largest congregation in Wichita. We had <laughs> 1,600 inmates wow. in the jail. So 
Um, it was a very rewarding ministry and uh, one that I'm continuing in a little different way now that since uh, retirement's come on. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's been... Um... I've known you, I guess it has been 20 years now that I think about it. I was in your daughter's wedding as a ring bearer. That's one of like my earliest memories. And I always remember their anniversary um, because that was a big day for me as I was probably five or six years old at the time. And I remember that very vividly, actually. And um, well, thanks for your introduction. Uh, I I talked to you a little bit before the show and you have listened to some of the episodes. So Mm -hmm. you kind of know how they go. Um, I have three questions for, for my guests. And the first two questions are things that really I'm more interested in. And then the Mm -hmm. third question is more about you. So we'll get there when we get there for your first question. Uh, one thing that I love, uh, not just on the show, but just whenever I'm talking with people is I love hearing stories. Mm -hmm. And so when I was preparing for you coming over, I was thinking, what's a story, maybe one that I've never heard before that I'd like to hear. And so this is what I came up with. I would love to hear um, the story about how you met my uncle Jesse Katina um, and what that was like. Okay. Well, it was interesting. My son came out um, after they started dating, and I had not met Jesse yet. And my son came out, and and he came home. And and we all knew that when Jessica met the right guy, she was going to fall hard. Mm. So I asked Nick, I said... uh, so it was Jessica, does she really like this guy? And she said, oh, Dad, she's got it bad. <laughs> and, uh, and then I said, well, what about him? He said, oh, yeah, he's got it bad, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then we knew that we wanted to come out and meet him. And so we made a trip okay. out and uh, sat down with Jesse. And Jesse, uh, according to his giftedness and of compassion and, and uh, generosity, put us up in a hotel, which was a good move yeah, for our future son-in-law. That is a good move. And, uh, and so we, we just spent some time together and really enjoyed getting to know him. And then uh, I think uh, it wasn't too long after that that uh, the Katinas were in um, Estes Park and uh, doing a, a festival out there, I believe. Okay. And uh, so we were out there already. So we called him up and said, we're, we're coming over. So we got to meet the rest of the brothers then. That's awesome. Yeah. So this was 20-something years ago now. What was it about Auntie Jessica that made you guys, like, what um, fueled that instinct that, well, whenever she finds the right guy, it's going to be quick? Well, I think she, uh, because she she always said, I want to find somebody more in love with Jesus than me. Mm. And um, that's what she found. And I think when she found him... Uh, she had been close to being engaged before, and uh, we really liked the guy. You know, he's in music ministry, and uh, of all things, mm-hmm. and uh, just right before he was ready to propose to her, she she said no. She said mm-hmm. this is not the guy, and didn't know what God had in store. But she knew she lived out here, and knew that she wanted to stay here. That God had a purpose for her here, and it wasn't too long where um, Cherie uh, introduced her to Jesse mm-hmm. and. And they dated for, I think they just dated nine months or okay. so uh, before they got married. Wow. Well, your instincts were right about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and now you have, uh, I know you have many grandchildren, mm-hmm. but three of them are Katinas. Yeah. How many grandchildren do you have total? We have nine. Wow. Yeah. And what's the age ranges for those? Uh, our oldest one, Aiden, is 19. And then our youngest one is Sammy. So wow. I think she's 10. Okay. So uh, I actually had... Auntie Jessica on the show a couple months back, mm-hmm. and 
one of my one of the things that we talked about was with her one thing that I share in common with her is that I grew up in a family that was in ministry mm-hmm. and I kind of talked to her about just what what's a childhood like when growing up with specifically a father in ministry mm-hmm. um and I guess what she t- took from her childhood um into parenting kids now her kids grow up in a family right. that's in ministry uh I would love to kind of hear your perspective as a grandfather as you've raised kids while being a pastor, while being in ministry, um, and now you have your grandchildren who are growing up in ministry as well. Mm-hmm. When you see them growing up and you compare it maybe to Auntie Jessica or your other children, do you, do you, do you find that there's things that you think about like, oh, I wish I would have done that different with Jessica yeah. or... Or, oh, man, I'm really glad I did it like this, and I'm glad she's doing it with her kids now. Yeah, I don't think we have any regrets mm. with our kids. We 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 went into ministry a little later. I was 30. Okay. Um, and so I'd, I'd had work, uh, worked out, you know, at, in manufacturing uh, for a little while, and uh, kept really just kind of running from God. Mm. Uh, I didn't feel like I had uh, what it took to be a pastor. Mm. Uh, so I finally surrendered, but I surrendered as a youth pastor. I thought I can do that, <laughs> but uh, not pastoring. And, and soon really had a passion for the word and to preach the word. So it was a good transition. Um, but with the kids, they were always a priority, and that didn't change in ministry. I, I got good advice from older pastors. said, always make your family a priority. Uh, they were your kids before you were a pastor. Mm. And uh, so we tried to do that. So I don't know. I think my sons in their football careers in high school, I maybe missed one game. Mm. Um, And with Jessica, she was always at those games. She was always in cheerleading and so forth. And uh, we never missed any of her stuff either. Mm. Even after we moved to Atlanta and planted a church, uh, she was a cheerleader for Collins Hill High School. And We always went to those games. And so we always supported our kids Mm -hmm. and uh, really made the Lord a priority in our home. And uh, so uh, to see them uh, recently, Boston almost shares a a birthday with me. Okay, Um, We're two days apart, 50 years apart. (laughs) And uh, so uh, one of the traditions that Jesse and Jessica do at at their house is whenever it's a birthday, they go around and everybody shares something they love or special about the person with a birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that we did and and uh, tried to do it, especially at Christmas time and mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, and to see her do it yeah. with her kids. It's really special. I mean, it was um, really special last night with Boston. Yeah. And uh, turning 18, mm-hmm. which is just hard to believe. Yeah. Happy birthday, Boston, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, it was uh, just really good to hear everybody, even, you know, all the way around to Sammy. Mm-hmm. Sammy wrote hers down, so she would Nice, Sam. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was just a special time. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this. You said that before you became a pastor, you felt like you didn't have what it took. Mm-hmm. So as a man who's pastored for decades, what does it take to be a pastor? Uh, it just takes submission to, to the Holy Spirit. I mean, you really are incapable any human is incapable of doing this work um if if they're not just really in an intimate love relationship with christ Mm. and um you know he enables us he empowers us 
but we can't do it on our own. And that's what I, I always placed pastors at a very high level and it was really unfair to mm. my pastors mm. uh, to, to place them there because they're just human beings yeah. and they make mistakes. Right. Um, I was helping one of my <clears throat> pastors um, as I was a teenager, uh, had to go to Houston and move his daughter back to Wichita uh, under some really uh, um tragic circumstance her husband had been killed in yeah. um in Colombia and so we were moving her back and uh we were moving and I remember he he dropped something on his hand and let a word out that shouldn't pastor shouldn't utter out <laughs> loud and uh that just shocked me yeah. uh, but he said look Jay said I'm I'm a former marine <laughs> he said just uh just don't even act like he heard that <laughs> and uh so it was that was a good actually it was pretty good for me to hear that um, because I knew that hey, he's fallible, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's got flaws just like I do. Yeah. Cause God had called me at 17 and I ran for several years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I finally realized that I couldn't do it on my own, I had to rely on him. Yeah. Um, everything changed. Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of leads me into your next question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I actually forgot that you were working in prison ministry. Oh, yeah. Is that what you would call it, prison ministry? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, for three years, I was I was actually at the jail okay. in the jail every day. Okay, um, and then uh, went to the rescue mission from there. Okay, same guys, yeah. just different circumstances, just out, outside of the outside. prison at that mm-hmm. point. Well, so my I've never actually gotten the experience to like go in and and work in prison Mm -hmm. ministry i've Mm -hmm. heard stories from friends and my dad and his brothers obviously have have had opportunities to do that um i hope that i do one day Mm -hmm. but i would like to ask you as someone who's spent a lot of time working in that environment what would you say is the most misunderstood aspect of who a prisoner is in america today I think it was my misunderstanding. Um, as I went in, I, I was, um, I, w- I wouldn't say intimidated because I was older by the time I started that ministry. And, and, uh, when I walked into the Cedric County jail for the first time, uh, with 1600 inmates, um, uh, when I, when the door shut behind me, um, I felt like I was home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like I was where I was supposed to be at that time. Now it was really good that I could leave. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to stay there. Um, but I think the things misunderstood most is that these are good people for the most part. Mm-hmm. They made some really bad mistakes. Yeah. And some of the people in there have really made a lot of bad mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to guys who were mass murderers. I've talked to men in there who one guy um, uh, killed a young lady and then set her on fire. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how the, the evil that's there. Yeah. Um, so that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, these guys are just, just a lot of times it's drug addicts that have committed crimes on drugs mm-hmm. or with drugs. And, uh, but once they get there and get clean inside, they're just guys like everybody else you would meet. Yeah. And, um, one of the, the biggest things I had to overcome at, at Cedric County, we had, uh, two pods of 50 men. Um, that were all sex offenders. And those were the most difficult, I thought, for me. I get in there and I go down and I sit with them. I go into their um, pods and have Bible study with them. And I'm discovering that they're just, uh, you know, again, it's 
it's not necessarily mistakes. There's some things going on there that only God can heal. Mm. Only God can really straighten out. Uh, But they're also the people, they're kind of a modern day leper Mm. and the ones that Jesus spent the most time with, it seems like. And so I knew that my responsibility to them was the same as the rest of the population. Mm. But I met some really good guys in there and, and really men that I'm still friends with, even though they're in prison, yeah. um, we still keep up. We email every every month and and uh, just still invest in them and pray for them. Wow. So when you're having those conversations with, you know, someone in there who's a sex offender or mm-hmm. who's been committed a violent crime or mm-hmm. things like that, um, what is what is your general message? to those people yeah. I guess before I ask that maybe I should ask what kind of questions would you get from from those people get to me mm-hmm. the same that I would get from anyone yeah. really uh, I mean because they're in a desperate situation mm-hmm. um, you know it's the same a lot of them grew up not knowing who Jesus was at all mm-hmm. but then there were some who knew the Bible as well as anybody you'd, you'd come across mm-hmm. and uh, but they didn't know the author and that was the the big difference. And so they would ask me questions about the scripture for sure. Yeah. Uh, but then we would get into more talking about the intimate relationship with Christ because that's really where um, the disconnect happened. Mm-hmm. And so many of those guys would give their hearts to Jesus you know, right there in the jail. And um, I really worked hard at trying to find um, and trying to discover if this was a real or was this a jailhouse conversion yeah. Or is this really something that's real? Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I'd start a discipleship with them and groups. And uh, if they show up and were really hungry, then I knew that there was something there special. Mm. And uh, and that's what really kind of drove me and kept me and really kind of fed me. Because yeah. in my churches that I'd pastored, I, I was always drawn to men's ministry anyway. Mm-hmm. And these guys uh, were really the most needy that yeah. I'd run across. And uh, Maybe I'm just... <laughs> And maybe I'm doing too much of like trying to put myself in your shoes, mm-hmm. but I feel like one thing that would be challenging for me is the issue of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the most revolutionary ideas that Jesus yeah. had was that everyone is can be forgiven. Yeah, and you know I, that's a fun thing to say, mm-hmm. and it sounds good, but putting that into action can be very yeah. difficult. And I think for me, that would be a hard thing for me is if someone came up to me and said, can I be forgiven? Yeah. Um, if I'm being really honest, there are some things that would be hard for me to forgive. No, absolutely. Um, but the Bible says Jesus can forgive. Mm-hmm. Did you ever struggle with that in your time working with those men? I did. Um, the one particular instance I can remember, there was a young man, I believe he was 21 years old, had been sexually abused as a, as a child. And uh, he was uh, in jail on a drug charge. And um, he, we got talking about different things, and, and he brought up the fact that he had also sexually abused another uh, boy, a family member, and that he needed to report himself. And um, so as we talked that through, um, we talked about forgiveness. And he, he said, I don't know how God can forgive me for what I've done. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, he does. And, and we begin to look at the scripture and how he forgives us and how he, 
he forgets our sins as far as the east is from the west. Mm-hmm. And and it's easy for me to say that yeah. uh, until he said something one day. I said, I, I asked him about forgiveness. Do you forgive those who perpetrated uh, um, against you? And he says, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And that was really insightful for me to yeah. hear that uh, because of <clears throat> some people I knew in my life who had uh, sexually abused someone who I loved dearly. Yeah. Um, and I'd never really consider forgiving him hmm. until that, that day. Wow. And then I had to really consider, um, that love, that love and forgiveness is a process. Sometimes it happens over a period of time. And, uh, and so for me, um, I needed to forgive these guys and, and treat them like the human beings and the men that they were, right. uh, because that's what Jesus does. He forgives and, and it's and it's over and done with, and uh, we we have a problem with our memory. Sometimes we remember what people do, mm-hmm. and we remember what we do, mm-hmm. and how hard it is to forgive. But I begin to teach a course then on forgiveness of all things, wow. and um, so I had to come to grips with it myself. Yeah, I would think that'd be a hot topic in prison. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. Well, I feel like I could talk to you about this for a, oh, a, yeah. a while, but I, I'll, I'll move on, I guess, to your third question, okay. and. Um, this question is really what the podcast is all about and it's intentionally open-ended. So I want you to feel free to answer it however you want. Okay. But the question is this, what's going on at home? What's going on at home? Boy, we're, we're in a season of change in our house. Yeah. Um, after being, uh, really on the clock 24 seven, uh, for almost 40 years, we're retired mm. and that's, we're just three weeks into it. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, however, we're retiring and I'm starting another nonprofit and, <laughs> and it's going to be a ministry of men. So it's not, not much has changed mm-hmm. except I, I don't have to go clock in every morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really a lot of change. Um, my wife, Dartha had a job. She absolutely loved at the school system, um, that we were both went to school in. And uh, she had a, a job where she um, worked at a place where the teachers went to get their certification okay. uh, so they could continue to teach. And she just loved the people she worked with. So yeah. she was uh, very hesitant about finally saying, we, it's time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when it actually happened, though, that first week, she's just, I mean, she's on cloud nine. She's, yeah. she's enjoying this. Oh, good. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, she's not putting any pressure on herself to, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. It's kind of this time where... Let's just uh, sit back and see what God leads us to do. And and uh, we are uh, serving a church as an interim pastor, so I'm preaching on Sundays. Um, so we have that. Uh, but um, it's just been uh, it's a season of change, mm-hmm. and we don't know what the change is. Interesting. Yeah. So let's. I'll go back a little bit into three or four weeks ago for you. Like, what was the um, what was the thought process like, the decision-making process mm-hmm. when it came to, okay, Dartha, me and you, are we ready to do this? How did you know you were ready? Yeah, I don't know if you ever really know that mm-hmm. um, because I was in a ministry position, uh, pastoral position at a rescue mission and loved my job. Um, and she was in a position where she loved hers. But we just, uh, we want to spend more time with our grandkids. Yeah. I think that was a, one of the drivers of it. Um, because we've we've been able to come out to Franklin um, probably three or four times a year, mm-hmm. or at least see the kids that many times, 
and we just want to spend we want to see them grow up a little bit mm-hmm. so it was that was a driver for sure um, but I think it was just uh, just the spirit of God led us to do it yeah um, and we've always tried to let the spirit be our guide and uh, we don't know what that's going to look like um, but um, it's a uh, I've got a list of about nine guys now I need to contact when I get back on Tuesday. Okay. So God is opening up some doors there for some different yeah. things, I think. That's awesome. Um, what's the scariest part about retirement? No income. Mm. I mean, <laughs> we we have some income. We have some retirement yeah. and we have so our Social Security. But we, we had a huge drop in, yeah. in uh, income. And I think mm-hmm. that was probably Dartha's most... Uh, anxious uh, aspect of sure. it. Um, we've always trusted the Lord. I mean, we w- we would accept a church, never talk about salary, and um, and God always provided, and He's continuing to do that. Mm. And uh, so, we're very fortunate to be able to <clears throat> live in a community where um, it's pretty affordable to live uh, comparatively. And uh, so, we're just trusting the Lord with that, and. And this new uh, nonprofit is, we'll see where that heads and what kind of income comes off that. But that was one of the big ones. Um, and I think for us, it's just, uh, we hadn't uh, spent 24-7 together uh, mm. for a long, long time. It's interesting. And, uh, and so to find the balance and find um, ways to leave each other alone, I have let them have space. And and yet we've, we've done a lot together since that time. So... Um, but I didn't have much anxiety. Dartha had a little bit of anxiety, yeah. but I, I was ready. And, uh, and I think, you know, a week into retirement, she was saying, this is the right thing to do. That's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't surprised that you brought up your grandkids when, when it came to, um, part of the motivator mm-hmm. for retirement. I've been lucky enough to have a few, um, grandparents here on the show and I love asking them this question. Um, because I think their answers are often profound. Um, but I'd love to ask you as a grandfather, uh, do you find that the things that you care about with your grandkids, the things that you value with your grandkids are different or the same than what you did with your own children? Oh, I, I think in some aspects it's very different. Mm-hmm. But I think the things that really matter, that really count, they're all the same. Mm. Um, there were we we talked about this uh, before on our way out here, and we said, you know, I wish we would have said yes more than we said no mm. uh, as the kids were growing up. And with grandkids, it's always yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad uh, recently passed away uh, three weeks ago, and and they had a, a, a coffee table in their in their uh, front room. And as kids growing up, we couldn't put our feet on it, <laughs> but the grandkids could stand on it. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the way it is. That's funny. And uh, so, yeah, when the, the things that really matter, the spiritual things, the, just the life things, you, you want to build those things just like you did your own kids. Uh, but on the other things that really, uh, we just find ways to say yes to them. Yeah. I, um, I love my grandparents and I totally agree. I do feel like my grandparents were always saying yes to me. Uh And, um, I I love just getting to talk the, the different, how your perspectives change as you grow older and you have more experience in life. And I, I think 
one thing that's a challenge for me a lot, I'm 20, I'm 26. Mm -hmm. I just got married last year. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that is challenging for me and something that I'm working on in my life is trying to remember to invest my focus on the things that do matter. Um, Because there's a lot of things that they matter to me right now. Mm you know, my wife, my marriage matters to me. My job matters to yeah. me. My uh, passions and ambitions matter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's hard for me to 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 think in the long term. Well, is this going to matter in five years? Is it going to matter in fifteen? Is it going to matter in thirty, forty mm-hmm. years? Um, and to be honest, the the list of things, the longer I stretch it out, the list gets shorter and shorter for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to ask you as someone who's retired now and grand mm-hmm. and a grandfather, what are the things that you thought mattered when you were 25, 26 yeah. that they don't really matter to you anymore? Yeah. I think I put way too much emphasis on, on a career mm-hmm. and, um, I got to make it, I've got to, I've got to have this house and it's got to be the certain house. And, mm-hmm. and I put way too much emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, um, Watching my kids, um, they have had a pretty healthy um, perspective on that. Uh, my oldest has been really career driven, but he makes time for his kids and uh, his wife, and I love that about him and his yeah. life. And the same way with Nick and and Jessica. Um, so I think it's uh, I think that's probably where I. I was at the time, and I think it's a generational thing too. Mm. I think as the generations have come, a couple now generations, your generation, uh, there's less emphasis on accumulating things mm. and more on the things that really matter. That's mm. just my my thoughts and my perspective on it. I love to be able to look, watch my grandkids, and even though we say yes to everything, we're we're their biggest cheerleaders. When something does happen. I can pull one of the guys aside and say, "Hey, let's 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 talk about this for a minute." Mm. You know, it just, being disrespectful to your parents is not an option. Mm. You can't do that. And uh, and so it's uh, it's always be able to good because they'll listen. And I you know I think as a as a parent, it's a little more difficult. Mm. Uh, they're right there in, in the fray. Yeah. But for a grandparent to pull them aside and talk to them as a as someone that they love dearly and to give them a different perspective. Um, is something that we value. Yeah, that's great. Um, one thing that you talked about earlier was that um, for a long time you've had a passion for for men's ministry. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what is it that you feel is important about ministering to men? And what do you think is, if you had to put your thumb on it, the biggest challenge facing men, specifically in America today? Wow, it's that's. I mean, we could probably spend the whole time on that yeah. because of all the gender issues there are out there, mm-hmm. and and men have um, been raised. A lot of men of the current generation have been raised in homes where they didn't see a male role model, mm-hmm. a godly male role model, and uh, and so that's that's one issue that mm-hmm. we face in the church. Um, but the other thing I think too is is uh, men. Uh, have forgotten their their role um, as a leader and a servant. Mm. Um, we we uh, in my generation we talked about submission for the wife. Mm-hmm. Wife submitted to your husband. 
that we didn't read the rest of that verse that says, and husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. He died for the church. He served the church. He gave his life a ransom for many. And and we have forgotten that as men, that we're here to serve. Um, when I first discovered that as a young man uh, in our church, we went through a whole um, a whole time of men rediscovering who they were in Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that we really hammered home was uh, that men are here to serve. You know, servant leadership is a forgotten art. And so uh, they said, figure out a way to serve your wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went home that night and I said, okay, Dartha, um, what's one thing that you do that you absolutely hate around the house Mm -hmm. Tell me what it is, and that's my job from now on. Mm. <clears throat> and it was cleaning the bathroom. Yeah, okay. And uh, so since that day, I it's been my job to clean the bathroom. Mm. And uh, she doesn't have to mess with that. And and uh, <clears throat> it's just a way to remind me. And that's not, I mean, that's not all we do. But yeah. uh, but it's a way to remind me that I'm a servant, and I'm here to serve her. I'm, if I'm going to lead her, I'm going to serve her too. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's that's something I want men to to discover. Mm. I want them to discover who God made them to be and then fill that role. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting you bring it up because I feel like it's a really hot topic, at least in like, I feel like especially in my generation, but probably everywhere is the idea of gender roles Mm -hmm. and roles specifically in marriage and Mm -hmm. between men and women. Um, Everyone has their own ideas, I guess, of what what people's roles are, or maybe there shouldn't be roles at all. Um, I would like to ask you, what do you think is the value of having roles within a marriage? Um, I I really don't know how to answer that. I know that um, the scripture teaches that there Mm -hmm. are certain roles. Um, But both my wife and I, when we make decisions, she doesn't just when we either disagree on a decision or we don't know what decision to make, <clears throat> she doesn't just tell me, well, you're the leader. You go make the decision. That's not how we operate. Mm-hmm. If we don't know what it is, we don't make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we disagree, we don't make the decision. Um, so I think the mutual submission sometimes gets, um, it gets confused with what roles we play in a, in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's the men are called to lead your lead your family. We know that, and and so one of the things that I've done with with my family is, as I understood it, was made sure that they understood who Jesus was, mm. and and put the responsibility of of uh, helping them find that that Jesus is the answer for everything that you're going to face in the future, yeah. and and you find. You know, way you get to know him is know him in his word. Mm. Uh, if I think if I did anything as a leader in the family, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and anything that I do beyond that, beyond the scripture, beyond what Jesus taught, uh, is really not my role. Mm. And uh, and so I always refer back to Jesus, mm. and uh, and he, you know, he sets the 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 tone, he sets the standard, and uh, and then we do that and. You know, again, I go back to that mutual submission as a husband and wife. Um, We make decisions together, um, and it just has worked. Yeah. So, 
mutual submission, can you just explain what that is? Well, it, again, like the scripture I used um, in Ephesians, where our wife is supposed to submit to her husband, but then a husband's supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. There's, there's no clearer um, indication for me in Scripture that, that that's a mutual submission. Mm. Because I, I, uh, I, I can't lord it over her. Uh, I can't lord over her in my, my strong leadership or whatever uh, and if I'm not serving her. And, uh, and so when we make decisions, when we talk about direction uh, to go, when we talk about retirement, uh, we we have to agree on it. Yeah. If we don't agree, we don't do it. Mm. Okay, well, thanks for answering my <clears throat> questions. I have two more questions okay. for you before we finish. Um, and these are two questions that they have just somehow come back up in the podcast. Not every episode, but they seem to recur. And I don't know why, but I feel like I want to ask you about okay. these. So one of them is kind of a silly question. And then <laughs> the other one I think would be a good place to finish. But here's the question for you. Do you believe in aliens? Why or why not? Yeah, I heard this question on one of the <laughs> other ones. Um, golly. I, I have to say no. Okay. Um, because I don't see it in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there are some people that would argue that. Um, but... Um, I think God created life uh, in a in a unique way in in human beings, mm. and um, you know we're we are um, the apple of His eye, mm. and I don't think He would have created anything to compete with that. Interesting, um, good answer. Mm. My next question for you is: um, This is something that I care a lot about for. Uh, myself and the people around me. I love mm-hmm. to know this about people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're kind of, you've already talked about it. You're starting a, a new journey right mm-hmm. now. You're in the beginning steps of that. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what are you dreaming about right yeah. now? Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I think at this stage of life, um, I, the thing that just keeps coming back time and time again is making kingdom impact. Um, we are called here and we're left here on this earth to populate heaven. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think there's such a need uh, among men now um, to, to rediscover who they are. Um, I don't know where that will take us, but I know the churches, um, at least the ones that I've been connected to, have really struggled in how to minister to men. Mm-hmm. I know there are churches that do a fantastic job with that. Uh, but I know that there are churches who really struggle. You know, we have a, a Saturday morning breakfast and we think we're, we've got a men's ministry. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus said that there are two ways. There's the narrow way and there's the broad way. And the broad way is full of people. The narrow way is less people and it's difficult. And I think we've got to have men come alongside men and help them on the way. Mm-hmm. Um I think it, uh, it's, 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 Jesus said it himself, it's difficult. And so we, we've got to help each other. And we're not called to do this alone. We're mm-hmm. not loners. Uh, we're called to help each other mm-hmm. on it. So that's the vision I have is to help men go there. And uh, there are men who, that I've discipled who are in prison, and now they're discipling others. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one guy, um, we got just a short story, 
um, he uh, came to know Christ and uh, began to disciple him. He was a first-degree murder charge. He was a third-generation uh, gang member and gang leader. And so he, he caught a 25-to-year-to-life uh, sentence. So he goes to prison and comes back to the jail because he caught another murder charge. Hmm. He comes back, and I saw him, and I, I kind of said, what are you doing back? And he said, well, I got another murder charge. And he said, uh, so we we started waiting on trial, so we were meeting together. And uh, he, he called me one day, and he said, I need to see you. So I, I went and saw him, and he said, hey, I got a real problem. He said, I... I've talked to my attorney about how to fight this charge, but he said, I'm guilty. Hmm. And uh, he said, I don't know what to do about it, and I need you to tell me what to do. And I said, well, you know, I can't tell you that. Um, but I said, I think you know what to do. And so he said, yeah. I called his attorney, come back in. He said, I'm going to plead guilty. I did it. Hmm. Even though it cost him another 20 years of hard time. And before he left, he said, Jay said, I believe that God has called me to pastor inside Max Prison in Hutchinson, Kansas. And that's what I want to see, I guess, more than anything else, is it help men see their God-given purpose. Hmm. And it wasn't God's best for him to be in prison, um, but God called him to minister to other men. And that's what I want to see more than anything else, is hmm. to see men mentoring men. And, uh, and helping them walk the, the difficult journey. That's powerful. I think um, I think that's a good place for us to end. Okay. I really uh, enjoyed our time together, and I'm glad we got to do this. And uh, I'll be thinking of you and 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 Dartha as you guys uh, go on this new adventure. Right. It's exciting, exciting for you guys. And yes. you're welcome back on the show anytime. All right. Yeah. Thanks so good much. Deal. Thank you. To those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.